Leo Ryan, welcome to the Wolf Brothers podcast. It's great to have you on. Myself and Cormac have known you now for known you now for over well over a year. Yeah, it was just before the first lockdown, right? Mm. Yeah, Cormac went. He was doing a Wim Hof workshop, was it? Yeah, I did a Wim Hof workshop with you then, just before yeah, the yeah. lockdown. Yeah, yeah. And then myself, I we went up and we did a another breeding for performance sort of workshop, and that's what what I wanted to ask you first was, what was your reason? for delving so deep into the breath and you how to use the breath <laughs> my life path uh, <laughs> it's uh which is what the yogis would call your your your, your dharma right because mm. as a kid i didn't i didn't have my breath i had asthma uh and i was sick every year a couple of times a year i had inhalers all through my life from as far back as i can remember i was told about age three and uh but when i when i played sports i was good you know i was fit uh i i was fast i was athletic i loved all that stuff but then when i was sick like i was i i couldn't literally i couldn't read there was <laughs> that was my breathing pattern so uh and it would mean ster- it would mean more inhalers more steroids more antibiotics and i kind of peaked at around age 19 when i spent a total of six months in bed Took over 400 steroid tablets, uh, three or I think it was about three inhalers and uh, 14 courses of antibiotics in about a year and a half, if I remember right. So it was at that stage that I kind of said to my GP, look, I actually said to him, I'm interested in becoming a trainer. <laughs> and he laughed at me. He was just like, well, he says, you know what, if we wrap you up and bubble wrap and put you away till you're 25, we don't know if you're going to get better. He says, there's nothing more we can do for you. Um, you're on all the medication. There's nothing more to give you. He says, I'll tell you what, I get you, I get you an appointment with um, Richard Costello, who's a, one of the top respiratory consultants in the country. He's based in Beaumont Hospital. But uh, the health service being what it is, it would take uh, over a year to, to get that appointment. And in the meantime, kind of went home and uh, I was broken. Uh, and it was interesting because in that, in that conversation, I, I just remember the feeling of, you know, F you. Um, I was really, I, I felt like there was, there was no hope for me. And I felt like there was nothing more could be done. Um, and I believe what the doctor had said, which was a big blow to me because, you know, I had aspirations, uh, even though I was small and light, I had aspirations of playing football for Dublin. Although that was waning at that point, mainly because of how the asthma affected me. And then, um, and belief in myself, and then uh, when, it, when he said, you know, I was studying computers and he said, no, you know, you have no hope of becoming a trainer. I was like, right, well, you know, what else is there to live for? There's not much. But uh, luckily enough, about a month later, my mom rang me up and said, Leo, this breathing technique has come to Ireland. It's called the Buteco Method. And uh, I heard it on the radio. It's starting next week. Would you be interested in joining? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's give it a shot. Let's do it. So that was back in about 2003 or 2004, I think it was 2004, and uh, jumped on that workshop. It was taught over three days and uh, just got training and trained three times a day, put in the lifestyle practices. And within the year before I got to see Dr. Coslo, I was uh, I had all my breathing scores up and there's a cool little measurement scale with that method. So got all my scores up. I was now symptom free. I had no asthma symptoms whatsoever. And I was feeling great. And there was a massive shift in me. 
And when I got speaking to, to Dr. Costello, then I says, uh, <laughs> I went into his office and he says, uh, he says, all right, so Leo, um, how can I help you? And I says, well, look, I know you got a medical file there on me. And that's his one thing I says, but something's changed. So he actually knew my teacher was Patrick McCone. He uh, knew the method and he respected it in fairness to him. And he said, what do I want? And I said, look, I want to come off all my medication. He says, sure. He says, one step at a time. He says, you know your body now. That's pretty obvious. Um, he says, come off it, but always have an inhaler there just in case. And don't be stupid about it. So I mean, that's what, what I did. What I, I, it took me another six. Yeah. What age were you at? What age was I? Yeah. When you started. 19, when you started to take I remember right. What was it? Yeah, about 19 because I left. Funny, actually, I, I, uh, for my leaving cert, because I know you guys, uh, of course, have the living cert uh, going on as well for, for the Wolf Academy. And uh, I left, well, I was putting all my eggs into the basket of becoming an army cadet when I was leaving school. And I got through seven of their interviews and on their medical interview, which I thought ASA might screw me up on. It actually turned out that I was colorblind and they, uh, they wouldn't let me in um they, they they said no because it was colorblind apparently and um, now i see colors which is a strange i still don't understand the whole thing of colorblindness <laughs> but i do know that when let's say a, a navy and a black a navy and a black are really close together i do i do find them hard to identify in certain um lights if that makes sense but yes yeah yes. that that threw me for six because what i had on my what I had on my CAO then was I did have some sports courses, but I never got the points for it. And I ended up in uh, computer applications, which for anybody that knows that course in DCU is a really, really tough computer course. Uh, to give you an example, in the, in the first day of first year, you, you're in a, in a lecture hall of 300 people. And the lecturer turns around and he says, oh, like, introduce yourself to the people on the left and the people on the right and have a chat there a few minutes. And so everybody's all having the banter and having the crack and chatting away and he goes right so um that's great you made friends but uh, by the end of this year um out of the three people out of the three of you one of you will be gone and by the end of next year the other person will be gone and there will only be one of you left to complete this course because they're the dropout rates for the course <laughs> yeah 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 exactly so i i was in the, the reason why i know what age i was with the asthma was because my asthma um, and this is where it's going to come full circle, was the worst the year I was in DCU when I was studying a, a course that I hated um, that I found really difficult to comprehend because a, uh, a lot of maths in it, that I was spending 12 hours a day studying and another two or three hours commuting to. Um, that's when it, first year was okay, but second year was, um, was just got awful. Um, physically and um, then psychologically as well um, yeah so that, that's how I know I was about I remember I was about the age of 19 yeah because I was going to say being told by the doctors what you were told how you were never going to be able to do this and that and you'd need to be wrapped in bubble wrap and then to hear that you were colorblind when you went to get into the army that must have been two huge sort of blows when you're hearing it from people that we look at you know, like they know what they're talking, authority figures that we think know what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Did that, that must have mm -hmm. caused, that must have been hard to push through that at that time, at that age. Ah, uh, uh, listen, man, it's, because it, it, at, the, at the root call, at the root of it is a, a mixture of a belief in yourself and who you are 
and a um, and fear, right? And obviously, being a, being a young person, you you give a lot of uh, power to people outside of you because you know they they help to grow you up. You're you're only learning. You're only becoming yourself. So when those people tell you stuff like that, and and they don't have confidence because because that's how they see life. Um, yeah, it impacts you hugely. And as I said, like my first dream was to was to to play intercounty football and um that always that always even when i even when i cured my asthma um i never had that it took me a long time to get that belief into myself and i would say i didn't really start to find myself until i was in my 30s so Mm -hmm. that was another like 10 to 15 years on top of that i always i was kind of always finding my way and finding my way better and better like a new trainer i was like yeah fitness i like that I got married very young. I, that was probably the one thing that I was fully confident about that I really, really wanted. And um, we got out, we ended up, we ended up getting a house young and we, we actually bought in the, a week before the crash of 2008, right? Um, and I had a young family and, and these were things that I wanted. Uh, so I was able to navigate my way through them and feel my way through them easy enough. But when it came to my career, which is for, for me, a career is, is an expression of who you are in the world. It's, it's how you really want to give back with your talents and get something in return for it. Um, like it wasn't until, I'll tell you now, well, I didn't make a decision on what I really wanted to be. That was a, a trainer till I was 27, about 27 years of age. Now I'm definitely teaching and, and, and being a lot more the person who I feel that I was always meant to be. Mm. but i'm still feeling my way through that process and i'm i'm 39 later on this week <laughs> like and i still don't feel uh complete for want of a better word i don't feel like uh i feel that there's so much more to discover as well mm. but it, it's it's that i have that inner knowing that i'm on the path is what matters yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a that's a really good point to make and something that it's probably good for people to hear is that there is no end to the discovery process of what you want to do. Like I'm the same, like I even wrote the book, discover your destination, but I'm still looking for where I'm going to go next. And I think that's important for young people to hear as well, that you don't have to have it all figured out by 17 when you're doing your leaving cert, which is just madness. Cause you don't even have a clue who you are at that stage. Um, which is obviously yeah. what we're trying to do with the courses that we brought into the schools. But I feel like that's what we say in our talks and stuff. Just enjoy that journey of discovery and follow the intuition as it guides you along. And you, you do know when you're on the path, like I feel it now, like the last year or so that I'm finally doing what I've always wanted to do or always maybe meant, maybe I'm meant to do it as well. But I think it's a definitely an ongoing process and you have to keep listening to that intuition as it guides you. And I suppose, I think for me anyway, I get bored if I was just, always doing the same thing so that's kind of why i want to like like you move and try new things mm-hmm. like and you obviously want to get to a certain level of mastery with something but i think it's um even just different ways of expressing yourself and stuff like that for me is where the juice of life is so that's what what i'm trying to kind of navigate towards as well but i actually wanted to ask you leo maybe just to delve yeah, in- i fully agree with you cormac i yeah. fully agree with you um i was gonna just ask you a bit more maybe on the actual breeding itself. I was very fascinated when we mm. came across you first by to learn about how our breath affects. He wouldn't stop talking about you. <laughs> yeah. But how our breath affects things like 
Anxiety. All the boys say that about me. Yeah, I don't know. I was giving out about you, I think. But uh, just like how the how the breath affects our levels of anxiety and stuff like depression and how you can. I remember you said to me once you like to approach transformation in someone from the body mind approach. So look at the body first to change the mind, whereas most people try mm. to look at the mind. So I just want maybe give us a bit of a insight into like how the breath affects things like anxiety and depression and how you can use these techniques to overcome them. Yeah, I, I think um, all, I, all I hear in, in, the, in the bigger, wider world, in my bigger, wider world is, is about mental health issues and also how the mind is, is everything. Whether you're listening to, I don't know, Jocko Willink or you're listening to um, David Goggins or you're listening to Irish sports stars or you're listening to um, business people, it's all in the mind. And for just my experience is different um, because I think it's because I came from a very weak and um, physically weak position. Uh, and yet I had a, a heart the size of a lion. And it wouldn't matter how hard my mind pushed and how hard I pushed my body. My body would always break first. Always, always, always broke first. And if you think about the, the, the part of my body that was breaking, it was my breath, which is with us all the time. And if your breath is... is your breath is a reflection and a mirror of stress in life, of how you handle stress and how you, um, how you deal with life. And that's what I see in people's um, breath. So when I'm working with people the whole time, uh, I actually find that their minds are very capable to, to a high level, but their, their bodies keep on breaking on them. Now, I agree that once you get the body healthy, and strong then you need to challenge it and then it yet yeah, becomes about um challenging your mind and being able to th take things to another level um which is where the elites um uh, come into uh, and the books that everybody reads and the podcast people listen to like these people are elite people that have been they're out in nature they're out challenging their body they're out training a whole lot usually their diets are pretty good too like they're, they're pushing boundaries and have done from a very very young age but a lot of people that i work with have you know they're 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 not healthy their exercise regime is weak at best um they they don't look after themselves and they have a whole load of anxiety and mental health issues and for me the 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 start of anxiety and mental health starts in the body itself um, let me give you a direct example. So if you were to take a breath in and a breath out now and hold your nose and hold your breath, and I said, I want you to hold your breath for 20 minutes, guarantee you're going to give up in that time at some stage, right? And you'll give up because the signals from your body are so strong that your brain is getting is giving out to you in return your brain is saying breathe 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 and even though you could technically you still have oxygen reserves in there you could technically keep going you give up on that breath hold and that's because carbon dioxide is your first stimulus to 
breathe, which means it speaks to your brain and says, you know, once carbon dioxide levels rise, it says now you need to breathe. So if those carbon dioxide levels are being pushed and pushed and pushed, you get huge anxiety and panic. And it's actually linked to fear in the brain. So they've now shown that um, without the amygdala, which is where, the, where they used to think fear was the only place, was in the amygdala in the brain, that even without a functional amygdala, you can still create a fear response and a panic response simply through um, breath holding. So for me, that's fascinating because what I see is a lot of people who are very sensitive to carbon dioxide. In other words, they overbreathe a lot. <sighs> so they overbreathe a lot and they overbreathe in response to stress. And their brain just signals very, very early, uh-oh, uh-oh, be afraid here. And then they can't control either their mind or their body. And it's way too late. Um, Does that make sense? Did I explain that well? Or is there something yeah. you want to dive into there on that? No, that makes perfect sense. I, I think it did anyway. Um, yeah. what, I would, what I was just wondering is what would, for people that do overbreed and put themselves into those stressful panicked states a lot of time yeah is what can they do what can you do to train that well if you if you think of over breathing how we're built to breathe right and the, the, the chinese have a lovely saying which is the perfect man breathes as if he does not breathe at all his breath is so quiet his neighbor can't hear him the breath is so gentle he can't hear himself breathe and the breath is so calm, he can hardly even hear himself. Or the breath is so calm, the fine hairs in his, in his nostrils hardly even move as he breathes. So your neighbor can't hear you, you can't hear yourself, and you can hardly even feel yourself breathe. That's how you should be breathing in a relaxed state throughout the day. And then once you have that as a foundation, you then will have the resiliency, the ability to and cope with stress very easily okay in other words you see a, 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 you're in the middle of a, a football match or you're you're sitting in an exam or you're having an argument you're able to and uh, maintain that calmness in your breath and in your body which means you can think clearly the alternative to that is how we've now conditioned ourselves is we're over breathing when we're supposed to be relaxed in other words we're breathing through our mouths at night. We're breathing through our mouths in and out throughout the day. We're breathing a little bit bigger and a little bit heavier. So it means that we're always on edge. We're always kind of walking a tightrope of anxiety. And all it needs is a, a, a little something just to flip the switch. And all of a sudden you're in a full out anxiety attack. <laughs> or you're holding in response, in response to somebody that's making you angry is another one. I'm going to, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And you're ready to just explode like a volcano. And that's a, that's a conditioned response. That's a response that's that you built in because your everyday breathing is, is off center. Your everyday breathing is adapted. So what can you do to, I mean, it used to be that, like, you, you, you go back, there was a book written in 18, 1882 called Shut Your Mouth and Save Your Life, which is a great name for a book. 
Yeah, and I uh, said to you the first time, yeah. I think that was written for the dubs, was it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they still haven't learned how to shut their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> still, still as mouthy as ever. <laughs> yeah. um, but um, what it was is he was an artist that, that lived in London. His name was George Caitlin. He, he actually uh, went, went torn around all the Commonwealth and all the tribal nations. And as he was doing it, he noticed a difference between children in London and, and people in London um, and the tribal nations. The first thing you notice is mortality rates. So kids in London, I think uh, 50% were dying in the first year. Another 50% of children only lived to age 10. Whereas in the tribes, um, there, was only, there was only less than one in 10. There was only less than 10% dying before the age of 10 and the reasons why they died was because of accidents in other words as he says they were kicked by a horse or they fell off a cliff whereas in london these kids had they had what now the language is interesting because it's a long time old but these kids had postural issues they had um, crooked teeth and, and and narrow jaws they had um mental health issues um uh, and they, they had a whole load of problems going on as well. And he couldn't identify what was going on until eventually he realized as he went through all these tribes, the more time he spent, the tribal nations then started to develop the same diseases as the people in London and the same death rates started to come in line. And it happened in synchronicity with a more Western lifestyle, which was more sugar, more alcohol, overheating, and in particular, he says, what, what, what really tipped the scale was when they started breathing through their mouth at night. So that was 200 years ago. In our modern life, we live a life on, on, on tech. We got Wi-Fi and we got a whole lot of different electrical signals interfering with our bodies. We have a more sedentary lifestyle. We have our food is... is like I, I won't even put a number on it, but it's much worse than it was 200 years ago. We have processed foods. We spend 90% of our time indoors. There's now more people in the world, which means we're more crowded, which means there's also more transmission of viruses. Um, and so the world we live in isn't, we weren't built to live in this world. Hmm. So once we develop these adaptations to our breathing and to our health, we then have to go all the way back to the very basics and train those very basics in order to build resiliency in our body once more. So whereas it used to be that maybe exercise and diet was good enough to get you healthy, it's not anymore. And that might've just been in the last two generations. Now we have to peel it right the way back and we people have to start getting physically getting themselves outside in nature people have to fit in patterns is and most importantly they have to start looking at their breathing patterns because that is the essence of our life is how we breathe we can go without movement for for years and get away with it we can go without food for weeks water for days but air we can only go without for minutes and because of the role that breathing has in in energy and in stress, uh, we have to repattern those um, habits in order to become healthy now. Going back to what you were saying with the 
with the mouth breathing and like the holding the breath and exploding like a volcano, I can testify yeah. how much practicing my breath, like practicing breathing in situations where I'm feeling stress or anxious or angry. Cause I used to have, what I would have done is I would have held my breath and let myself build up to my head was about to explode. And I did that daily, daily. Like I used to live in London. I was working on the building yeah. sites and daily. I was looking at people that would annoy me. Do you know, when you're working on a building site that you, you rub people up the wrong way all the time. And I spent half the day like that holding my breath. And since I've in recent times in the last two years, um, when I'm in those situations, I really do actually just think about the breath folks. On it, and it's insane how fast mm -hmm. you can actually switch yourself back and calm yourself down. Mm. That is, yeah, I feel like that's just such a huge, because when people, when you say it to people, they're kind of like, it's so simple that it's nearly not believable how powerful it yeah. is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. And it's funny, it's funny you say that because my cousins, I only found this out years later. Apparently they used to wind me up as a kid. It would, they, they said it was like a red mist descending on you and you would see your head just start to boil. And, and they, they all press that anger fully before you can then uh, calm yourself down again. And it, uh, it's not a nice way to live your life because, you know, eventually, and I see a lot of uh, actually career people. And um, when I say that, I'm talking office space people and, and, um, and tech space people that are 40s and they've been doing this for a long long they, they don't know but it's a part of what they've been doing for a long long time and their bodies are just breaking apart in two because they've been holding all that anger and resentment in them and now they have uh, cardiovascular issues and, and blood pressure issues and i i've one guy for example he um he's 40 years of age and had a stroke mm. like a 40 years of age he had a stroke um and that was simply and it wasn't necessarily like his he had, sure, he had, you can call them bad lifestyle tendencies and that. But the reason was he was so dedicated to his work and so and single-minded about his work and ignored his body for so long and ignored his health for so long that and it took an episode like that for him to snap back to reality. Three years later now, believe it or not, he actually only last week came off all of his medication, and which is really unheard of for, for stroke people to be off blood thinners. He came, the, the doctors took him off his medication because he had that big a change around in his lifestyle. And he ended up, you know, he actually went vegan. He started walking. He went back to a four day week. He started working from a home. He started, um, he, he, he was kickboxing. He was doing loads of stuff, um, but he completely turned his life around. Um, and a part of that um, as well was understanding his breath. And the role it has to play in managing that stress cycle like your career and your finance is part of your health as well as part of your life and if those two things aren't strong it can be you know it is just as stressful and damaging to your whole life mm. as if your health isn't strong mm. but what what i see is 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 you're right daryl in the sense of like i know you daryl know what it's like not to have your health right uh, and they say you know there's two sayings that come to mind first of all is you know you 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 spent the first half of your life making all your money um and then you spend what is it you spend the first half of your life making all your money and sacrificing your health and the second and the second half of your life spending all your money to get your health back 
Yes, yes. Um, or there's one that I use quite a lot, which is um, um, those, those without their health have but one dream. Those with their health have a thousand dreams. Um, which is if, if your health is taken away from you for whatever reason, mind health, body health, if that's taken away from you for whatever reason or you lose it, um, you know, nothing else flows nice. You, you, you can't relate, you can't, you can't give love um, when, when you're in a, in a, in a, from a place of lacking, when you don't love yourself enough, when you're not fulfilled enough in yourself. You can't give time and energy to, to building businesses or to becoming an elite sports star or, or anything else that you want to do with your life unless you have a, at least a baseline resilience. And the, the, the issue is, is that sometimes health, like it, it can take 10, 20 years to destroy. That's what people don't realize is that it's their habits, at least from most times with, with, with lifestyle diseases, you're talking anything like, and then that develops in people in their 30s or 40s has been brewing for at least 10 years, if not 20 or 30 years. That's how long it's been coming. And it's slow and insidious. And unless you start um, building those foundations in, it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very difficult to get them back as well. And you have to spend, and it's very difficult to drop your ego to, to get them back as well. Um, it's very humbling experience. I, I consider myself very lucky that I had asthma as a disease. Um, and I consider myself very lucky I was so bad when I was back then because you know, it's opened up a whole life for me that, that I'm enthralled with and, and that I love and, um, and a way of living that even though things might be hundred percent and rosy, I love it. Uh, and I get great joy from it and, and I share a lot from it. And, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a gift that keeps on giving in that sense. Mm, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Um, something I wanted to kind of move into now, Leo, is we kind of touched on like, how to look after your health and like stress and how it does build up over time. And one thing that I've found like so powerful just in the last couple of months after doing that empower breathwork course with you, mm. I found doing my own breathwork sessions have just been so powerful in like, give me that reset after if it was a stressful week or, you know, just sometimes mm -hmm. I just feel I don't have much time to myself and it just reconnects me. I think with my heart, instead of kind of when you get too much in your head, you know, you're thinking about the future, the past and stress is building up. And then when I do a breathwork session for 20 minutes with the music, I literally just feel back to myself, connected, clear on what I want. And mm. I suppose you actually just feel great as well because you're getting all them stresses out. Like you're, the noises becoming out of me sometimes are just like, where the hell did that come from? Or I didn't know I was holding all this anger or stress or sometimes i'd start crying during the session it was just i don't know it's one of the things i found that, that just really blew me away in terms of how powerful it is for mm. healing and relieving stress and connecting to yourself and even just feeling really good like it's yeah it's just like you actually feel like you're high or like this really nice loving feeling. Mm -hmm. so i think it's something that i'd love to kind of share with people but i suppose maybe if you want to talk a bit about that and like how why does that happen and also like what would you recommend if someone wanted to try doing a bit of kind of breath work like that well i i might just give it give people some some ideas while what you're talking about so 
breathwork is is a term that's I think is bandied around and too lightly in general in the world. So I kind of divide it into two different um, two different areas. One is breath training, and the other is breath work. So for me, breath training is about techniques that specifically build your lungs and your respiratory system to restore your breathing ability. Okay, to, so to restore you back to what I call center um, and to balance yourself. Okay, so this is people might know them traditionally as, you know, some of them are, are physical therapy techniques uh, to, to free up the mechanics and to enable you to move and to breathe well. Some of them, some of the techniques are, are from the Buteyko method and the oxygen advantage, which people might know of. Um, and and that's, that's the main part of breath training. And that's really really important for anybody that has any um any lung issues first of all any breathing issues um or for sports as well it's phenomenal for sports when it comes to the mental health side of things um, i look at breathing as as having two sides of the coin so a lot of the breath training stuff works on the relaxation side if you, if you think of your your nervous system You've got the middle, you've got relaxation or rest and digest, people know it as. And then you have the more um, activating side, which is our get up and go, our sympathetic nervous system or fight or flight, right? So a lot of people that I see are living from a, a position, instead of being in, in the middle where they can access both sides, their nervous system is ramped up a little bit and they're always switched on. They're always turned on, right? And so... If you give them a more exciting and more, more active breathing pattern, um, it can send them very fast into emotional states. Um, and that's what breath work does is they're, they're all active breathing sessions, which means they're big breathing. And it can, it, it can send you into a very emotional state. Now, on the other side of that emotional state, you end up rebalancing your nervous system and feeling good in yourself, which is awesome. But for me, I think it's really, really important to have a guide and have somebody there with you to, to show you through the early stages until you get competent yourself, okay? It's like asking a, a young guy to go in the gym and he sees somebody squatting 100 kilos, so he racks 100 kilos on the barbell, and start squatting right now he might get away with not injuring himself that day but if he's putting that load on his body and his body isn't used to it it's going to break very soon well it's the same with breath work if you go into it and you just start um you start taking on very powerful techniques and you're on your own doing it um it can be very yeah it can be very emotional that's the type of it's not an injury like a like a squat will do but it's more an emotional injury that you'll cause yourself and so the way I, the way I teach, I, I personally, I, I've looked at a lot of different um, breathwork backgrounds and experienced them and, and then got my certs in the Wim Hof method. The way I like to do it is I progress people in breathwork. So I use it like Empower is one that I designed but, uh, during one of the lockdowns over the last year or two. And it took me about five years to develop that, not because I didn't have the skill set to do it, but because I wanted to hone that skill set and be able to take people safely through the breath work where they had the tools and the skills to be able to guide themselves. In other words, I wanted to empower them 
with that with with that ability. But the breath work is is an amazing on on the plus side of it. It's an unbelievable practice. It's so simple, it's ridiculous, but it is so powerful. It is like a highway straight into your subconscious and into your spirit, and it will. You know, I've heard people associated to um, plant medicine mm-hmm. and the effects of plant medicine on you because it is it can be that potent, but it's accessible to everybody. In fact, one of the things I was doing when I when I was uh, researching a lot of breathwork practices was I, I got interested in the idea of plant medicine. And I was looking at like ayahuasca was it was is one of the most famous ones, if, if you will. And I was like, why do I have to go to the Amazon? to do this wonderful plant like if if and i believe in god but if god in his in his infinite wisdom created this amazing medicine that's completely natural surely there is a variety of that medicine everywhere in the world surely there is something that people in europe and asia and africa can access without needing to fly it over and that it should be a part of the natural world and then when i started to peel back these these uh breathwork um methods like holotropic and rebirthing and the Wim Hof method is a variety and um, I know you had Ronan on before he does breath wave is a variety of these these um, types of breath work and when I started to do it I went whoa this stuff is is incredible and then as I started to research the states where people go to and, and especially in um, the holotropic breath work Stan Groff gave an awful lot of Dr. Stan Groff who founded holotropic breath work his books and his, his um, experience behind it made me realize that actually it's all doing the same thing. There are different practices and it's like going into a candy store, into a sweet shop and, and picking a different variety of sweet. They're all sweets at the end of the day. They all have the same effect on your body, but different people like different flavors, right? Mm. And some are more powerful than others. But at the end of the day, they're all sweets that get you high. <laughs> yeah. So breath work is like that is, and, and plant medicine to a degree is, is similar to that, where they all take you past your physical body, past the idea of even your mind and into your subconsciousness. And it's from once you experience life from that point of view, your, your worldview certainly shifts. And some people love it and some people don't. And so that's why I think it's important to have a guide to be able to understand this so then you know how to use it and you will get to a place of loving it. Mm. I think that's a great point, the guide, because we, you could do as much breath work as you want, but if you're not integrating, mm-hmm. not integrating what you're learning, mm-hmm. I feel you could nearly go backwards because it's bringing so much stuff up for you. Mm. Agreed. I have, I have, I have sat with plant medicine and I do, like you mentioned Ronan, I, I do breath wave with Ronan. And only last week, the experience I had with the breath wave alone, it was just as powerful as plant medicine. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. so the breath wave, or the the breath work, I think it is. It's it's just vital that you can integrate what's coming from it. Integration is for me. It's actually way more important than than the experience. The experience mm-hmm. is the high, um, or the 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 the, the journey as such. But the integration that that's where all of life is at. And for example, there's no point training your ass off. Let's say I play Gaelic games. There's no point in me training my ass off if I can't produce results on the pitch. There's no point in me um, 
there, there was Ron Kolk, I heard uh, a great interview with him. He was a very famous rock climber over in the States. He was one of the earliest guys to, uh, to climb y- Yosemite. And um, I was listening to a podcast, a long form podcast with him. And some of the climbs he made, um, the, the big climbs that he made, he took five years before he would climb again to integrate that whole experience of the event that he had just done. He contemplated what he had done and it took him five years sometimes before he would step on the face of a wall again. And it's the same like we did the, the, the big four in 24, right? The, uh, the four peaks of Ireland. Yeah, I was going to get to that, yeah. <laughs> I, I, look, I look the same. Like I see people smash themselves with one challenge after another, one adventure after another, one sport after another. And they don't sit back and go, how do I apply these skills into my life? And breathwork is the same. If, if you're just going for the high and the, 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 uh, the buzz, and sometimes you'll find you don't get it. Sometimes you'll find it's amazing. It, it just turns into another form of drug, um, of recreational drug, and it doesn't serve you any purpose. The key is absolutely the integration part. And, and integrating means um, taking time to contemplate or reflect on your experience, um, drawing from it the, the, the learnings uh, from it that apply to you at this point in time and then applying those teachings into your everyday life because ideally we shouldn't need breath work we shouldn't need plant medicine we shouldn't need adventures they should be loves that we go out and do because we just love and want to experience but we should be whole uh, people that already understand ourselves that's that's kind of the first part to, to get to mm, definitely and I think, yeah, it's very important just to to say that because it, I think it's important to know why you're doing these things, like why you're doing plant medicine retreats or why you, you know, doing the breath work. For me, it's, it is to reconnect with myself and mm-hmm. for my purpose, whatever I believe I'm here to do in the world. And it's not f- for necessarily the high, that's mm-hmm. like a bonus, you know, when I do do it. But yeah, it's, it feels great. And, and it feels you- great, which is, is, is good because most of the, things that may be good for you are often like really tough or feel not great at the time such as ayahuasca but like the breath work is like i do enjoy it feel better after it and it does help me move on to the next phase and work through the the shit that's coming up for me at the time Mm. so i think it's as you said it's very powerful but definitely something that you need to be clear why you're doing it and also have that guidance. Like I did that breathwork co- or empowered breathwork course with you. So I have that confidence now on how to actually do yes, it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. But by the way, I suppose I, I shouldn't, I don't mean to belittle people that, that just go for the high, but what I mean is it like often it's chasing that high that gets you into something like that. And then it blows your mind open. Right. Mm. I was very curious because I had learned the breath training side of things, which is calm breathing, relaxed breathing, breathing through your nose and, all that stuff I learned to, to heal myself. And the reason why I dove into breath work was because I was doing my qualifications in, in the Bateka method and I met these Dutch women and they're like, oh yes, we do, we do the Wim Hof method. And, and I was like, Wim, this is back in like 2014 or 15. So he's only just coming on the scene internationally. And I was like, whoa, 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 what is this? And they're like, oh yeah, we, we, we get in the cold and we, we, we breathe big. We... I was like, whoa, that is so different to what I know. I was like, and then they were talking about it helps mental health and stuff like that. And I went, I, I have to understand this more. And that's what set me off in the journey was because I was, I was curious from my position. 
But I know a lot of people here, oh, wow, it just feels amazing. You have a great time. And, and they get into it. And I'm like, that's great. But now that you're here and I suppose our conversation, I'm like, it is great that you did that. But if you really want to make the most of the experience and you really want to, to, to thrive in life, it's the, the integration part that Dara was saying that uh, actually is, is where the real money is at. It's where the real gold is found mm. um, in, in that part of it, I think. And, and then, yeah, like there, there's still the odd time where, where I go to do it, where I'm like, okay, I just want to feel better. But um, like with anything, sometimes if you go chasing the high, you don't get it, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then people yeah. go, well, why didn't I get it? You got you to understand that part of it too. <laughs> and Leo, we're going to get on to the big four and 24. You mentioned it there a few minutes ago. Myself, yeah. Cormac, yourself, and three other lads, Daniel Buck, Stephen McDonald, and our other brother, Sean. One of our yeah. other brothers. We embarked on a quest to climb the highest peak in each province in 24 hours. And it, it was actually yourself and Stefan that came up with the idea. Do you want to touch yeah. on why? Why you just came up with what? this challenge? Well, I, because why? it was brilliant. Why did you do it? <laughs> <laughs> I come up with that stuff. It's great. I, okay. What was happening there? And uh, I'm funny because I, I talk about the integration. Like I've taken what we're, we're two or three weeks post and, and I, I'm still writing my blog, my blog on it because I'm still integrating that part of it. Mm. And the way it came about was, look, Steph, um, Steph had a knee injury that, that he's not playing Gaelic football at the minute and, and he trains with me. He's a client of mine. And um, I could see in him he needed to challenge himself. Like he, he's a fit man. He was training, but he was also losing motivation to, to do that stuff. And I know that there's only two things that motivate you. It's either like pain or pleasure. In other words, something you want to achieve and, and to do that, that, that you really want to take on and challenge yourself or you want to escape away from pain. And he, while in his everyday life, he was grand. He knew he couldn't go play football. So it was a, he was left in kind of a no man's land. At the same time for me, I actually made a, uh, I said to myself, I wanted to climb mountains every month of summer. So I climbed um. Well, I climbed around uh, Schlieve Donard and, and, and the Mourne Mountains at the start of the summer. And then the rest of the summer kind of slipped by and, and I wasn't getting up to the mountains like I wanted to. And I came to August time and we, we, did, a, we did a men's circle with, with yourselves, actually. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was interesting because being at that circle, I saw in everybody that, that spoke, I saw a reflection of the same thing that was coming up for me. I saw it on Steph. I saw it on you boys as well in, in things that we said, which was, I just felt that the guys that were there were yearning for some type of physical challenge, some type of physical mental challenge that, that would make them feel like they've tested their limits. And I think as men, that's really important because Mount, like we're living in a more PC world than even we grew up in. And sometimes all that political correctness can 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 suffocate you can smother you uh, and sometimes men just need to you know be men and, and let out a roar and let out a scream and, and 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 release that primal selves part of themselves sport does it in some capacity but um there's nothing else outside of the boundaries of sport that you can really just go wild on so i heard about uh, one of my other clients had mentioned actually throughout the summer he says oh He'd done a couple of charity gigs and he was telling me, you know, the, the, the five peaks uh, bringing in in the UK. He was been on some cycles and then he mentioned the four peaks. I said, what's the four peaks? He says, oh, we tried to climb the four peaks in, of Ireland. And I went, that's it. 
And I just knew straight away. I was like, that's it. And it was funny because the next day then I was down in Blanchardstown and I was walking by a regatta store and I don't go into regatta much and I was walking by it. And I was like, oh, I wonder if I can pick up some stuff and picked up this T-shirt. And there was a T-shirt of uh, uh, the four peaks of Ireland and the heights on them. I was like, no There's way. There's your universe sign there. I was like, no way. I got to buy it. So I, I took the T-shirt. I bought it. Then I met Steph the next day and I, I said it to him. I said, Steph, you know, what do you think of the idea of doing a challenge? And he was like, yeah, I says, so we're talking about it next year. And he says, oh, it might be going away. I don't know. And he says, well, let, let's do something just on a whim that we don't need loads of training for, but that would challenge us. And I said, well, what about the four peaks? And he was game ball. He was like, yeah, yeah, I love it. And I says, well, and the two of us kind of said, right, well, we get anybody else involved. And he said, let's, let's contact you boys because we knew you you would probably be up for it. Yeah. So we said, right, let's contact the Noonans and see if they're up for it and whoever else and, and, and get a crew together and, and get it organized. And literally it, it happened in the space of what, about five weeks, let's say yeah, four weeks. Five weeks was all we had, to, if even. Mm. Yeah, and I was away for two of those as well. So uh, it was, uh, yeah, it was deadly. I mean, that, that was how it came about. Um, but it, it was, uh, I loved it, loved every bit of it. Yeah, so did I. Well, actually, say every bit. I wouldn't say this sleeve Donald I love. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Donald was a really interesting I thought it was a fan like that's where I'm getting all my learnings from was Steve yes, Donald really definitely. You're, you're definitely right there it was the, the biggest one to learn from and looking yeah. back I'm glad it happened the way it happened it was just in the moment of it it yeah. was very it was a huge test mentally mm. um, how did you, you if you want to maybe talk a bit about it there Leo <laughs> <laughs> well look let, let's explain to people what happened right yeah at least I'll explain from my point of view and because uh, we haven't spoken about this and I'm happy for you guys to counter and give me your point of view too. <laughs> oh, we definitely will. <laughs> <laughs> so look, we, we were doing this. Um, by the time we got to Steve Donard, we, we knew that the time limit was up. We, we weren't going to make the time limit. So Seth had dropped out um, because of his knee injury. Um, he he twisted on a, on a, on a innocuous from what i can tell i wasn't there you guys were, I was were behind were him. him it was an innocuous step at the yeah. foot of karen Tuhill, which yeah. was really a punch for him um i was gutted for him and uh, then he had daniel who peaked in lugna quill on the third peak and he was done for he wasn't even going to complete that but we got him through that one and he was delighted having completed the three so then it was uh yourselves your brother sean and myself now, I was coming into that, and I'll be honest, I was coming into that with a bit of fear because you guys had, you're, you're all big, strong men, and on each of the mountains before, you had powered ahead. I stayed back with Daniel um, and Steph on, on, uh, on the, the, certainly the, the middle two mountains, and, and you could see that, at least from my perspective, you guys had a lot of strength in you and, and would power ahead and, and be gone, and I was like, these fuckers going to, are these Sorry, but are these guys going to go <laughs> No, you're all right. Sorry, that's, you're what, that's what I was thinking. I was like, are these guys going to, gonna? I, I'm going to have to keep a pace with them, right? And that, that's, so we got, we got to the foothills to, New, to Newcastle and we we're driving by and I says, that's a car park. And mm -hmm. you guys are like, no, 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 that's not the car park. Google is saying we're, we're going to the bloody bridge. I was like, <laughs> that's the car park I know. And you go, no, 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 we're going to get, I says, look, I says, that's a car park. I, I know the way from there. We're up the waterfall get to the top, take a left and follow the wall. And we're, we're home and dry. I says, but I do know that there's other routes. I says, so fine, let's go with it. So we went Big with mistake. it. Mistake. <laughs> uh, yeah, but the biggest mistake in the world because 
we were then at the foot and we couldn't find even the entrance to this route, right? All of us couldn't. And I was like, look, I know the other car. And eventually you guys said, all right, let's go to the other car park. So we're going there and then we spotted the entrance. I was like, oh, no, no, no. Here it is. Look, it says the Mourn Wall. Says, right, let's go. So we started up that trek and I was, um, I, we, we were all finding our way through that. And we thought that was the Mourn Wall. In fact, it even had a signpost. It was the Mourn Wall going yeah. up. But, but it wasn't the wall that I knew of, which was a, a, a man built wall, like a, a recent one. This was like a really old, like one that you would see in Connemara that was yeah, covered in moss and ferns and everything. The cliff but there was, there, there, there was, a, there was a, a trek up, but we would lose it every now and again. Because remember, this is in, we, we set off after 11 o'clock at night. It was middle of night, so it was pitch black, yeah. Pitch black. So we had a path, we lost a path. We had a path, we lost a path. We saw the edge of one mountain and uh, on the right, and we were going up a, a river. The river was on the left, and the wall was just on the right too. New boys were like, "This is Donard here." I was like, "That is not Sleeve Donard." I was like, "Way too small. There's no way that's Donard." I was, like, <laughs> I was like, "Just look at the mountain on your left. It's twice as tall, and Donard's the biggest one." You're like, "No, no, no. That's just perception. That's where we're standing." I was like, "No, it's not." I think the minds were just the minds lack of no sleep. sleep just... Very sleep deprivation. And... Yes. Yeah, I, I agree that the, the, the sleep is a, is a killer. And, and I had more sleep than you guys too, right? You guys drove, um, whereas I wasn't driving. Mm. Um, but, but anyway, we, we, we were going for it and we made a beeline for it. And very quickly realized ah, that is not our mountain. Um, and then even you were getting at the GPS. And it was on the right, but it was, it was behind. That's where Donard was, is behind that hill is what I call it now. <laughs> so what we should have done is gone up the whole river up the whole even even the route that we took we should have took the whole river up but we cut off it early and we started making a beeline to go up the back ass of it yeah and at this stage like we're fully in we're fully committed and it's like just go for it so it was a disaster because we're going through um what would have been if it was winter it would have been marsh which would have been far worse um, and all the bushes were all burnt out. So we're missing potholes like that were as deep as my leg. Yeah. And, and, and so we got through all that and then it came to this rock face and I was, I fell behind these. I don't know if you remember this, but I fell behind all of these. Um, I think Cormac started to power on. Sean was behind him, then Daryl and then me. And because uh, I had stopped to change clothing because I noticed after Carantuil, I was sweating buckets and I was like, I got to manage my clothing so I stay warm in general and don't get like you know that cold sweat on you yes yes so i fell back and i was like these, these guys are gone i was like oh Leo, this is your worst nightmare so <laughs> i was just like i'm gonna hunt these lads down i was like i don't care i'm I, I, that was my mentality i was like i'm just going hunting and i started pushing and pushing and pushing i caught up to you daryl we stay we stayed together for a bit we're catching up catching up eventually caught up to sean and you left me <laughs> nah, not yet <laughs> not yet but I was like, I had, I was just like, you know what? I was like, he's got, it, honestly, I was like, you guys all left me. I was like, I'm way back. And I went, I'm just powering. I'm just getting this done at this stage. I don't care. I'm just going. And I remember you talking, Daryl, and you're like, where's the top? Is that the top? Is it the top yet? I come over and like, no, is that the top yet? No, is that the top? No. <laughs> <laughs> and then it brothers are brothers then, right? At this stage, I think. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Doubting up and, on me saying it's too dangerous. It's like that's stupid and all this. And I was just fed up at this stage. I was like, I'm going up 
straight up it because I think you were oblivious to the fact yeah. of where we were. We were on like we were on the the side facing the sea. Yeah, and I felt at that time I couldn't stand up straight because I felt like I would have been blown off. The wind became ferocious and. We were on. We were literally climbing up loose rock, and you were after running ahead of me. You were gone. Comic was gone, and I wasn't going to turn back. <laughs> I, was, I was waiting for either a rock to come flying down at me or one of yous to come flying down. <laughs> now there was a point where I did believe that we weren't going to. That one of us was something was going to happen. To someone, you know, I was. Yeah, you you said that quite a lot, actually. I let mm. that fear creep in, yeah. and I genuinely thought at one stage that I probably wouldn't survive. Did but you, yeah. Would, yeah, I genuinely that, that that fear crept in and I couldn't get it out of my head. Like all stories I'd been talking to a mountain rescue guy two weeks before that, and all the stories he told me started creeping in. Yeah. I was like, why didn't we plan this? There's like none of us even No, that did cross my mind. Why didn't we plan? <laughs> like why didn't we go up from the base car park? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. And of course just, it comes through your head when you're in the middle of the in the middle of the ship. Yeah, zone, right? It's dark yeah. and you can only see everyone's head torch. And, and the wind is how and we're already like we I was thinking um I was thinking you know, I knew you could get up there, like the runners will get up at in forty five minutes to an hour. I was thinking if we do this in two hours at this stage, we'll be doing well. We were two hours and we hadn't reached a peak. Yeah. And it was push and push, but and I was but I I was a little bit different. I didn't have any of that fear in me. Um I was just like, just keep going, Leo. And I was happy yeah. to scramble because that's what we're doing, hands and feet, scrambling yeah. up the back ass up these giant boulders. It was like going up the devil's ladder and carrying tool again. Mm, um, <laughs> but I, I was kind of I don't know what I had that in my element because one part of me was hunting you guys down because yeah. I had it in my head that you guys had shown how strong you were physically and then you had gone ahead of me and then there was something in me that it was just that inside of that competitor inside of me ego, but also also I knew <laughs> yeah also I knew also I knew the mountain too like I played around in as I said earlier on somewhere in the in the kind of about up to about halfway up the mountain so I did have that confidence on it whereas I don't think you guys had so you didn't know what was coming next either. Yes, that was it. I didn't. I didn't even know. I was like, Dave, this might not even be the mountain. That was another thing freaking. Yeah, me. I knew it. No. <laughs> yeah. yeah so anyway, we got to the top and, and <laughs> like uh, we got. And the funniest was we got to the top and of course there's the wall there, the man-made wall and this huge big structure in front of like ah oh, that's the Morn Wall. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that makes sense. <laughs> So, and then of course there's a path, there's a stone path leading the way down. So we're like, oh my God. <laughs> and, and, she, and Cor who was it? Cormac comes. <laughs> somebody, or what, somebody goes, maybe we should have listened to Leo and gone from the other path. Right? <laughs> and, and Cormac goes, well, maybe Leo should have spoken up. And Sean turned around and says, uh, I think he did Cormac, but we just didn't fucking listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, <laughs> all right let's just let's get down and actually it was going down which was the most interesting bit because you, you follow the morn wall and, and i've later found out where, where exactly we went wrong but we we we, we followed down to the, the the bottom of the wall where it sweeps back up to go up to i think it's comish as the other mountain on the other side we, start we couldn't <laughs> we couldn't find the, the the river which is what we were all looking for couldn't find the liver we we're actually going down if you remember the the uh, the cliff face yeah, and I sat down and I was like, I was quite happy to wait this out to morning if I had to, and that's what I mean. I didn't have fear in me in that sense. It was already 
three o'clock in the morning. So sunrise was about half. Well, sunrise was at seven, but it would start getting bright after six. I was like, I'm quite happy to see here. I had food. We had water. It was pretty warm out. The, the weather was amazing. Um, so I knew we, we were okay once we didn't do anything stupid. But we're going down that face, and that was a bit stupid. And then we said, no, no, we'll go back and we'll go up the other way. Now, I knew that Mourn Wall goes on for like seven mountains. Yeah. I was like, I, I, okay, let, let's just go with it. Let, I, and again, I think of Sean and yourself there, I shot off. And I was like, this is, this is going to be a long life. That's <laughs> all I could think of. Is, this is going to be a long Like, I knew eventually we, we would be okay. But it was going to be a long night where we were. And then luckily, of course, you heard the, the I dog, heard a barking dog and bark. we, we, we found a, a, a camper, right? Yeah, I heard a dog bark. Now, I can only imagine how freaked out he was. At three o'clock in the morning. It was actually four at this stage. It was four yeah. in the morning. I was not on his tent. <laughs> and he told I mean, he went up for a bit of peace and quiet and retreat from the world. And then he yeah. was a dull idiot. <laughs> and it was luckily he told us where to find the path. He had pointed where we had been and told us not to go there or we would kill ourselves walk mm. off the edge mm -hmm. so we were we were lucky and we got our way mm. down and would you do you remember when we were walking down and we saw the ladder over the wall and we we're looking over the other side of the wall mm. that's actually a marker for that path oh. so we were so busy looking at that remember the steps yes, over yeah, the wall yeah, yeah. and the, and the yeah that's a marker for the path that we just walked by because we were so tired and we're so enthralled by this mark and then we we shot on up but on the way back, you spotted Daryl. You spotted the, uh, the the bag that you're like that doesn't belong here. This is a this is a path. This is the path, and and you were right, yeah. Luckily, it was still another two hours till we got to the car. Now and I, but but what was even better was we were going down and we got to the bridge, which is oh. where your mom told you to cross over this bridge and go. And I knew where I was now. And there, there was a there was a there was a a path like a that a car drives on that leads off ninety degrees and goes off into the distance. Yeah. And I knew because I'd been around those. I was like, we are not walking down that path. Don't do it. Don't. This is not the bridge. I was like, your, your mom's bridge, because I knew the bridge that your mom went over was the next one down. I was like, do not go down that. I think we walked like 500 yards. And then one of you has got out your phone and said, uh, why is it an hour to walk a kilometer? What is what is going on here? I was like, that's because that is not the path. <laughs> I think it was Sean who's like, um, I think we should listen to Leo this time. That was actually me. That was cool. Was it you? Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's brilliant. <laughs> I was like, and then I was like, uh oh, now I got to step up and make sure I'm right here. <laughs> I better be right. So then we we followed down. You you were the lead, I think, Daryl or or Cormac. You were the lead because you did the torch in your head, and and it was it was down the waterfall, came to the next bridge, walked over that all the way down the bottom. And then that, that same thing almost happened again with the path. And, uh, but we were there, we were like 200 yards from it. And, uh, we made a, whew. Yeah, it was, it was a hell of a, hell of an adventure. And I, I'm glad it happened the way it did. I wouldn't have wanted it to happen any other way. Um, thinking back on it now, like, you know, it happened the way do, it was supposed to. Do you to. know what the interesting thing is, is I've, cause I was speaking to a few hiking buddies beforehand, uh, clients who are hikers and they were like, <laughs> they're like, Leo, you are such an idiot. I can't believe you're that thick that you just didn't have any routes planned. You didn't oh, know what yeah. you're doing. And then she was telling me all this. Did you have this with you? Did you have that with you? I was like, no, <laughs> no. I think we and, all just expected and, someone else to have it planned and then but, no one planned anything. And, and But at the same time, if I had walked up that path in Donard, I kind of would have 
been left a little bit disappointed because that was a literally a path the whole way to the top. And I didn't come to walk on a path. Yeah. I didn't take on the challenge to walk. Like a, a trek and trail I can deal with, but it literally it's a stone path yes. all the way up. And I went, it's like that that um that mountain. I think it's in Leitrim where they have a wooden bridge the whole way up the mountain. Mm. I, there was nothing worse I could think of doing that. Nothing worse. Like for me, getting into mountains is about finding your way and almost getting lost and getting found and, and that side of adventure to it. Yeah, well, you got um, it anyway. We, <laughs> we certainly got it. <laughs> like, yeah, at the end of the third mountain, we actually, it was weird. We had this weird energy. We sat, me, Darren, and Sean were like jogging down the third mountain, looking at Quilla. So yeah. we three done and we were like grand. And I, I kind of wanted it to be, you know, a mental challenge. So if mm-hmm. Sleep Donard was just a path up, we wouldn't have got that mental challenge yeah, and then no, would, no. wouldn't have learned about like that resilience that I, I realized I, I had in there as well to like push on when I needed to. So for me, that was like, it was definitely worth yeah. what we did not planning it kind of worked yeah, out yeah. well. And that's, but then again, all, all well that ends well, huh? Yeah, we're lucky <laughs> at the same time we found a hiker and didn't go down the wrong way because it could have ended worse, but next yeah. time do a bit more planning. <laughs> yeah yeah well that's one of the things that i learned is look if, I, if i'm gonna do like i also knew the mountains okay karen who was the only one that i was anyway concerned about um because we really we had the guide and when i say concerned about i mean i mean in terms of um the difficulty of it uh, because it was a complete unknown i just knew it as as the highest mountain in ireland and i knew that there was it was a tough climb but the weather was amazing Mm-hmm. Uh, like that that was what's it like if if we took that on in bad weather it would be a, a, a whole other challenge a whole other difficulty oh we were lucky uh, yeah yeah we're lucky in that sense but what um what learnings did you kind of what what have you how was your has your life changed since you got back from it have you have you taken it from it and, and integrated or thought on or for me i remember one of the big things i learned on the last mountain sleeve donard was just to Sometimes I just was realized I had to just make a decision and stick with it without knowing if it was the the right one. You can't have all the facts before you make a decision because like no one was making any decisions at one stage. And I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to go ahead. You can follow me if you want. And I just went straight up the back of it. And I kind of realized there's like sometimes I just have to do that without getting consensus from everyone because we can't all agree sometimes on them you know i was kind of waiting for everyone to agree and no one was making any decisions so that was something i learned and also that i i kind of expected more like negative thoughts on the whole thing and i didn't actually my mind was quite like nice to me if you know what i mean the whole most of the mountains apart from near the end i was like you know mind was playing tricks and i was like trying to stay i was focusing on being positive and stuff like that but i was nearly surprised that my how nice my mind was and my mental strength whereas it'd be nearly worse than just day to day but when i was out there i was well able for for all that kind of like you know self-talk to myself to keep myself going and stuff like that so i was kind of pleasantly surprised by that so that was kind of a couple of things for me yeah for me now there was quite a few quite a few learnings i was very i was very happy with how i how i faced the challenge but there was a few times looking back where I, where at the start I felt disappointed in myself. But now looking back on it, it was just a learning. There was one particular time in the car between Lugnaquilla, between the third mountain and the fourth mountain, 
and I was very close. I felt a lot of old emotions come back up, irritability with other people. And I was feeling all that come back up and I was like, fuck, it's like, I haven't felt this in a long time. Do you know, there was a point where myself and Sean could have went to, to art, to a big argument, but I didn't. I just took a breath at, at one point. I was like, this is like, you're, you're tired, you're sleep deprived. Mm. You know, I didn't play into it. Whereas I always used to play into that kind of stuff. Mm, wow. So I was very happy with that. And there was a time on Sleeve Donald when you guys had powered ahead and that fear crept in. And I actually wanted, I actually wanted to, you, I think you touched on this, Leo. I actually wanted to just sit down and wait until morning. Do you know, I was like, I was fuck tired. And I thought, being honest, I thought we were going to die. So I wanted to sit down and I was going to give in to that fear. And I was just very happy. I was disappointed. After I felt disappointed that it had crept in, but I was very happy with how I dealt with it and pushed on. And I tried not to, because I know Sean was feeling the same fear I was feeling. So when I, when I realized Sean was feeling the same fear as me, that actually turned my fear around. I was like, okay, I think I'm actually going to have to cop on here to help Sean. I don't want to add to it. Like if the two of us start going like that. So I was mm-hmm. able to do that. I was able to sort of adapt in that way. And I was very happy with that. I think in life, fear will creep in when you go to try new things and stuff. Yeah, new things in life. You always get that little bit of fear that you might not be that good or um, that you might make a mess of things. And I do even think since then, I I can step into that fear a lot easier. Mm. You know, because from that mountain, yeah, the worst worst thing that could happen, I could have died. But in most things I'm doing in my life, day-to-day life, death is... It's not there for the, for those particular things, so they don't mm-hmm. seem as daunting, you know that kind of way. Yeah. What about That's yourself? Awesome. Yeah, it was a couple of things. One, I learned that I I was surprised actually how not only how well I did over the course of it on on little sleep, uh, but also in the day or two after recovery was was perfectly fine. Which is for me, I, I spend a lot of time on recovery when push myself, and I actually thought. I can, you know, I can push harder and mm-hmm. um, in life was one of the things and, and but more so preparation is for me the big, because it's actually something that I've been doing um, and building throughout the summer was something that, that my focus was on. Uh, I got it from actually the, the, I remember watching the special forces, the, the hell week last year and, and the, the, the difference between the Irish and the, the UK version was, and um, the Irish one were really big on admin the ranger wing and admin in other words making sure that you know your pack is packed you have everything in the right place your your like your 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 uniform is neat your bed is made all those little little finer details that you 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 even when you're wrecked even when you're tired that you have all that stuff in place and done and even though i actually felt like i had a lot of that done on the trip and prepared on the trip there was uh, I met we missed out on a ton of stuff like the roots and that that could have been so much better and so I've taken that even further now since I've come back and even in my day in terms of scheduling stuff and I've been a lot tighter and and my my productivity level in life has gone through through the roof Mm. Um, I'm getting a lot more done because I'm not wasting as much silly energy on silly things if that makes sense Mm. Um, and that's it that's a huge one for me and then I mean, the whole thing just showed me that, um, yeah, I'm still highly capable. Um, and I wanted to, I want to actually take on more. And it's funny because since I've got back, I've been training like a lunatic. Um, mm. It's like I'm a man possessed since I've got back. 
um, in all areas of my life, including training. Um, I feel like some there's there's been a massive shift there that maybe hasn't played out yet. Um, but it's uh, certainly that it's played into already the my admin work of life. Cool. Well, next time, whenever you think of whatever that next challenge is, yeah. it, it gave me a hunger for another challenge. I was yeah, like, yeah, I was like, yeah. fuck me. Yeah. Like, yeah. That wasn't um, that hard. It's like, I can do something else. You know? Yes. Uh, me, me too. I definitely have that hunger. And even with that is I'm, I'm careful in what I'm choosing as well. In other words, I'm like, okay, one, that integration side that you spoke about earlier, Daryl, Mm-hmm. Um, I want to make sure that I get that right before I take on a next challenge. And then to, and then I'm also in a searching phase of a good challenge um, that, that I'm looking for. Mm. Um, I might, I, there, there's, a, there's one that was released there recently, the uh, Malintimism, uh, which you can run or cycle wow. um, next year. So I'm looking at doing that, but I mean, I think they're looking to charge like 450 to get into it, which was a bit of a pullback for me at the minute. I don't actually know if, because I don't know if I'm, when I say I'm ready, like that's a, that's a monster. That I've is, never ran, the longest I've run, run is, a, is a marathon, which is mm. whatever, 42K. So that's like, that's a thousand K, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did that's a 10K a once, so I can do yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, totally, it, it, it's, it's a totally different one, right? Because uh, I love the idea of mountains and nature. Like that was a great challenge for yeah. me. Yeah. And because it was so different for me, I'm not used to mountains at all. And that was, I think, one of the great things about it was because it was so, it, it's like when you start to learn anything, that's when you learn your most. I say to people in the gym, you know, if you just come one day a week and you're only starting, that's perfect because, and that's where you get the most benefits from. If you add on another day and another day and another day, sure, you will, but, but the, the, it's a law of diminishing returns the more you do. Yeah. So if you, if I take on like, 10 mountain challenges in the next year. I don't know if I'm going to get what I got from that first one. Yes. 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 Exactly. Dead right, dead right. Yeah. So I'm trying to look at, at, at different varieties of them as well and see. Yeah. Just sit on it. Mm-hmm. Sit on it. Mm-hmm. But if you come across one, let me know. Yeah, <laughs> well, look, Leo, it's been something. It's been fantastic having you on. It was a great chat. And I forgot we were on a podcast there for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, They're the best ones. <laughs> a quick one, Leo. If anyone is looking to get in touch with you, find out more about what you do and that kind of stuff how would they find you sure yeah my website is innatestrength.com that's innate with a dash a hyphen strength.com or my instagram is at i am leo daniel i run for for people that want to i i do a a a breathing program which is like it's 40 quid and that will take you through 16 weeks of breath training i do empower breath work which cormac was on which is um that's eight weeks of taking you through an immersion of of breath work. I, I'm looking to start that up probably after Halloween at this stage and um, will be the next uh, group of people. So just go on my mailing list. Uh, and then I run Wim Hof workshops and personal training and loads of other stuff from there. So I am Leo Daniel is kind of the social that I use most on Insta. Awesome. One last question. Actually, I usually ask people, uh, what's your definition of success? Uh, what is my definition of success? Knowing who I am. Mm. yeah so living my life path and um, that doesn't mean everything has to be perfect and rosy and i have to be healthy the whole time nope but knowing i i know who i am so that gives me one element of success and the other element is living that life path so in other words and um, staying with that guidance of i know the path i'm on 
Mm, so in other words, there, there's a, a value component to it there that I'm not willing to drop standards on or sacrifice, if that I like makes that. sense. I like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, thanks very much, Leo. Cheers, Leo. Awesome, lads. Great to see you again.